Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Crash, the UK Geek Podcast. This is episode, <coughs> sorry, 321, recorded on Wednesday the 24th of June 2020 at 23.25.03. Tonight I'm recording a retro Doctor Who episode featuring Planet of the Spiders from 1974. Before we start, let's ease ourselves in and talk about the state of the rewatch currently. Well, right at this moment, it's a hot night and I feel I'm starting to lose it. Watching classic Doctor Who every day of the lockdown has left me living in a perpetual state of 1970s Who-ish oddness and has furthered the half-arsed 70s era BBC RP accent. I always knew I had lurking beneath the remaining London Council estate drawl. It doesn't help that the last speech therapist I saw a few years ago said that speaking with a stiff upper lip would reduce my lisp because no amount of therapy would change the non human way of speaking I have developed. And no, I'm really not making that up. Why would I make that up? Why would anyone make that up? I also feel like after this virus hell is over, if I leave home for some kind of jaunt to London, it will be wearing tweed and driving something eccentric. Okay, well, not tweed, because that can be a bit itchy. Although I do have a tweed jacket. Surprise, surprise. Probably wearing silk velvet and driving something even more eccentric, though hopefully more reliable than I'm driving at the moment. You'll have to refer back to older episodes to find out what I'm talking about. And it's not just the Doctor Who rewatch, but it's Blake 7, all that British sci-fi, my love of Fountain Pens, of which you'll hear more about Later, though not in this episode, but in the next episode that I'm recording afterwards, and of course the bloody Banjolele. After being teased about being a George Formby fan, and look, no offence to George Formby fans, he was okay, but I am not a fan. I bought a George Formby album before the lockdown. Why would I do that if I'm not a fan? Is it the fault of my contrary inner anarchist? Is it punk rock? Is it the same sort of joyful wrongness I experience consuming cheap curries and gin and tonics as a man of Indian origin? Only you can tell me. Where was I? I was digressing as usual. At this stage, yes, the rewatch. We only have 15 more years of Who Time to go. Finishing in 1989 with Sylvester McCoy. And then we can finally kiss this classic Doctor Who rewatch goodbye at last. And bury it after killing it with a spade. Anyway, as I have already said at least twice before, this is another back-to-back recording session. So let's do this. Doctor Who, Planet of the Spiders from 1974. This is the third Doctor, John Pertwee's last outing as a Doctor. Oops, spoiler. 
His companion is Sarah Jane Smith, who I will refer to fully as Sarah Jane Smith, not just Sarah. Played by Elizabeth Slarden, the director Barry Letts, writer Robert Sloman, producer Barry Letts. This is Serial 5 of Season 11 and follows on from The Monster of Peladon, which we covered in Crash 320. It again consists of six 25-minute episodes, first broadcast from the 4th of May to the 8th of June 1974. Yes, it's another six-parter, although it is a little less flabby than most of the other six-parters. Well, it's... John Pertwee's final outing, so I suppose they pulled out the stops, which you'll see a little later on. I'm getting ahead of myself again. As usual, let's start off with, on this day in the UK, what was happening. ABBA was number one with Waterloo. Need I say more? No. Let's start off with the plot, and let me tell you in my own words what happens. Ex-unit captain and traitor, Mike Yates, has convinced Sarah Jane Smith to visit him at a Buddhist retreat because he wants unit to investigate strange events that are occurring. Mike Yates is at the retreat, one would assume, to find himself, see his place in the world after the events in Invasion of the Dinosaurs. On the drive from the station, where Yates picks up Sarah Jane Smith, they almost hit a tractor, which promptly disappears, which is a foreshadowing of events to happen. It turns out that the students at the Buddhist retreat are summoning an alien entity, a very large spider, from Metabilis 3, who is attempting to retrieve the blue crystal the Doctor took, or rather stole, in the planet's past, and gave to Joe Grant as a wedding present, and which was recently returned to him for his safekeeping. The explanation Joe gives in her letter is that the workers on her expedition with her husband, do not wish to carry on with the crystal that they think is cursed or evil or something, I can't quite remember, but that was the gist of it. Meanwhile, the Doctor and the Brigadier go to some kind of variety vaudeville stage show, and they are there to meet a stage psychic, who they then consult at Unit HQ, He tells them he has recently developed real powers. During a test, the psychic dies when touching the blue crystal, and some spiders appear on the monitor of the Doctor's testing equipment. The Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith then go to Metabilis 3 in the TARDIS and discover that in the planet's future, it has become populated by stranded human colonists and spiders. The crystals have evolved the spiders, both in size and intellect, to become the dominant and ruling life forms, referred to 
by their own law as the eight legs as opposed to the humans who are the inferior species and are thus called the two legs by their spider overlords. The Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith return to the retreat, find out that the abbot and his monk are in fact one and the same, a time lord, and the Doctor's guru in his youth, an old hermit he met on a mountain nearby his home. The Doctor goes back again to Metabilis three to return the blue crystal to the living god of the spiders called the Great One. The Great One, a huge and menacing spider, uses the blue crystal that the Doctor has returned to complete the last part of crystalline structure that will vastly increase her intelligence. But the power is too much, and with her mind burning, she is destroyed along with her spiders. On Earth, the abbot of the retreat is killed, but regenerates in the form of his former monk psychic projection. Three weeks later, the TARDIS materialises back at Unit HQ. The Doctor stumbles out, collapses, and then regenerates. Let me first do a little bit of self-promotion, then we'll get to what I thought. What's an adrenaline junkie bike career to do after a fatal wipeout? How about inheriting a weird box, partnering up with a lethal and sexy reporter, and going on the adventure of a lifetime? Join Geeky X Rocker and his enigmatic partner in crime as they are drawn into the mystery of the century deep in the dark heart of London. It is a secret that will change their lives forever, if it doesn't kill them first. The Horrors Box is a very dark, very funny, fast-paced, action-packed, suspense thriller brimming with pop culture nostalgia and unique characters. If you liked Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Goonies, National Treasure, and Preston and Child's Agent Pendergast series, you will love this high-octane and explosive page-turner as quirky and British as James Bond and Doctor Who by UK author Roy Martha. Oh, that's me. And this is my book. You can find The Horus Box on Amazon as a Kindle ebook now. Okay, what did I think? Well, here yet again we have that good old West view, at least at the beginning of this adventure of sinister Eastern mysticism. There are fake Tibetans as well. But at least, no yellow face. Some of this is explained away in the script later. The two Tibetan monks are unaware of their students gone bad. So they aren't really responsible for the menace. There is no yellow menace. It's more that their Western students have taken the teachings and used them in... uh, incorrect 
or rather an evil way. And also the two monks, the abbot and his deputy, are actually one and the same time lords. That's why they are very badly disguised as Tibetans. One would assume, I suppose, that the BBC programme makers knew this mild Orientalism wasn't okay, even by the standards of the mid-70s. At least, I hope that's the case, otherwise materialising menacing alien spiders at the centre of a Tibetan Buddhist mandala using Sanskrit chanting apparently didn't ruffle the beeb's occasionally progressive feathers. Roy the Editor here. Surely you haven't forgotten the blatantly racist talons of Wang Chiang three years later? Next, Mike Yates. Seriously, we're doing this again? Why are we still humouring the traitorous ex-terrorist whose cabal almost destroyed Earth in Invasion of the Dinosaurs? Listen to pod 315. Man, you know what? Mike Yates is really trying my patience. What else? Well, okay, here's something good. The scene of the dialogue between the Doctor and the towering Great One, the giant spider, is very impressive. There's this great use of perspective with the spider at the top of a dice and the Doctor at the bottom of the stairs, like a supplicant. And this whole blocking of the Doctor and the prop makes the spider seem even more massive. Though I have to mention that logically, it really makes no sense, because why would a spider that big need stairs in the first place? It's there only for the sake of art, and to create that interesting perspective. There is a character, I believe his name was Tom. I'm going to call him Simple Tom. He is a simple, good-natured, but very strong chap, whose intellectual evolution through the crystal echoes how the monolith in 2001 A Space Odyssey can turn hairy hominins into human beings and human beings into gods. There are also echoes here of flowers for Algernon. My own trippy experience back in the 90s, the less said about that the better. Alfred Bester's The Stars My Destination, also known as Tiger Tiger, after William Blake's poem. The Tiger, and not as I originally thought when I was writing down these notes, Forests of the Night. That's Tiger with a Y. In fact, thinking about it, it is most like the Alfred Bester novel. Although Simple Tom is good-natured and our protagonist in The Stars My Destination is definitely not good-natured. While we're talking about references to other things, there's this crazy James Bond film-like chase, which involves Bessie, his yellow car, the Who-Mobile, which we 
and Sarah Jane Smith discovers can fly. There's also an autogyro, a hovercraft, and finally a short fight on a motorboat. It is long and elaborate. And I suppose the indulgence of those extra few minutes to give John Pertwee a better send-off is okay. It doesn't really feel that baggy. Both those two last items, Simple Tom's Evolution and The Chase, contained so many references, and there are many, many more, but I fear I might turn into the famous sci-fi encyclopedist Forrest J. Ackerman. Look this guy up. I thought of those two items on my own, but after referring to the BBC archive page for this episode afterwards, I confirmed those couple, but there are many, many more. I also thought there were strong parallels to Doctor Who Turn Left from 2008, in which a parasitic insect attaches itself to Donna Noble's back. It should also be pointed out, though, that mind-controlling parasites that attach to the host are fairly common to science fiction. There are many examples of this. The head-riding emo hawks from Red Dwarf. In the episode Emo Hawk Polymorph 2 from Red Dwarf 6, episode 4. Or the brain-burrowing bugs of SETI Alpha 5 in Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan. I know way too much about this stuff. Anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, okay, finally, the regeneration. The Doctor took a tremendous beating in the Monster of Peladon when he fights hand-to-hand with an extremist. He is again beaten in this adventure by crystal-wielding human slaves of the spiders. It shows both that Venusian jiu-jitsu or judo or karate or whatever John Pertwee is in the mood to call it in any particular week is not the be-all and end-all of martial arts. The Doctor is good at combat, but he's not infallible. It also shows that the regeneration and Pertwee's plans to leave the show must have been known for quite some time before Planet of the Spiders. And now let's move on to some trivia. Robert Delgado, an actor we know well from this retro rewatch, who previously played the master and was a personal friend of John Pertwee, died during filming another project in Turkey the previous year. Pertwee had said his death influenced his decision to leave the show the following year. As I dimly remember something I've read before, he said that the show just wasn't the same. And you can see that chemistry between Delgado and Pertwee in many adventures of the Third Doctor. In fact, it became something of a running joke that almost every week the Master was behind every single plot. 
there is also another Delgado connection. The Spider Queen was played by Kismet Delgado, Robert Delgado's widow. Next, Lupton, one of the characters, the leader of the students, possibly the lead bad guy that I have read was originally going to be a role for Roger Delgado, but when he died, they created this other character, Lupton, who wears very bad tweed and has a terrible haircut, is controlled by a spider voiced by Isain Churchman, who played Alpha Centauri in The Monster of Peladon in Pod 320, and we talked about that in Pod 320. Let's move on. Okay. The Who-Mobile, that Delta-winged supercar that was actually a car built for John Pertwee. Again, we've talked about this already. Has a registration number because it was road legal. And that registration number is WVO2M. It is seen briefly as the Who-Mobile is flying during the chase scene. We also see the TARDIS key, not the Yale-type key, but an alien-looking pocket watch fob charm in the shape of a shield. There have also been many other keys over the years, but I refuse to go that nerdy and describe them all individually right now, or at any time in the future. If I start doing that in a future Who podcast, remind me of this moment. If after watching this arachnid-infested adventure, you're still hankering for more spider-related fiction, first, I have to tell you what is wrong with you, and second, I do actually have some useful suggestions. Check out the Spider-World series by Colin Wilson. There are a series of books that you might enjoy. The idea of advanced colonists turning primitive would be used again, most notably as the origin of Tom Baker's assistant, Severteam warrior Leela. Severteam was a corrupted name for Leela's tribe, which was originally a planetary survey team. A fact that is probably known to every single Doctor Who aficionado in existence, so I apologise for reiterating it here. You're probably pulling out your hair and saying, oh, I already knew that. Well, so did I, and I had to say something at the end. Um, hmm. I don't think there's anything else now. All that remains for me to do is do the end bit of the episode that I always do, and then record another episode. (laughs) The show that you have dutifully listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend. You are listening to Crash, the UK Geek Podcast, episode 321, recorded on 
Wednesday the 24th of June 2020, but ending on Thursday the 25th of June 2020 at 45 seconds past midnight. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye.